This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan Show. Today, um, I am joined by one of the most enthusiastically wonderful people I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. It is the the beautiful, the gorgeous Alex Fox. Thank you very much for that exuberant intro. E- exuberant. I was going to say to you, <laughs> did you realise that your name is, an, uh, if you rearrange the letters, it makes Lacombe. Like Lacombe. Like, yeah, like, La- yeah, like a French ejaculation. Sp- I was going to say Spanish. Oh, also, La well, Com. an intercontinental, <laughs> intercontinental even, yeah. uh, ejaculation. So, um, I mean, I was already extremely enthusiastic <laughs> about you, but now I know that your name basically translates to jizz. Jizz. Yeah, we're joined at the hip What? What does and your, just the tip. If we if we juggle the letters around in your name, what can we make? I'm sure we can make all kinds of... If you knock off the A, it just turns into licks, which, uh, which is something I do whenever yeah. I'm given the chance. But it does rhyme quite neatly with Alex Fox rhymes with phallix cox. Phallix. Cox. Yeah, that's is, that's a be- beautiful, beautiful thing. It has. That was a, a nickname <laughs> given to me by my friend Suze, which rhymes with ooze, uh, about twenty years ago, and it has adhered to me ever since. Beautiful. Like, like well, I was about to say, like, come, yeah, like, so like, come, like spunk. <laughs> We've got this show off to a, a rousing a really, and a an really, really good start, start. Have we? Where, where, here, haven't we? Where I've mostly just talked about uh, semen. So well, well, well. Speaking of speaking of semen, <laughs> while, while we're on the topic of semen, I'm um, always on the topic of semen. <laughs> um, you have you, you have your fingers in an awful lot of pies. I and feel like all sorts of things. Yeah, <laughs> fingers I, I'm everywhere. Like, I'm like a clumsy Greg's the baker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I guess lots of people who listen to Fubar um, won't know who I am, which is probably a good thing in I their mean, lives. I mean, they should know who you are. I've, I, 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 I'd be disappointed if they didn't. Some days I don't know who I am, Callum. <laughs> um, but on my resume. It says that I'm a broadcaster, journalist, and a sex educator. I like it. So um, I spend most of my days um, up to my elbow in writing about other people's genitals. Sure. So my job involves um, being an ambassador for a young people's sexual health service called Brooke. Way! I love Brooke. Shout out to Brooke. Exactly. Love. Arms in the air for Brooke. <laughs> That's in the air, not in anywhere else. Um, I write about sex and relationships for loads of different magazines. Um, Cosmo, Vogue, The Garden. Guardian. The, the Guardian, the Guardian. Mm. and also the Sun. Now and again, I think sometimes Sun readers need their good sex ed more than Guardian. Yeah, readers. yeah. Um, what else do I do? I've got a show about to start with the wonderful Riyadh. The Riyad wonderful, Kalab. wonderful Riyadh called uh, Unexpected Fluids. Do you know uh, it was originally called? I think it had a working title of something like the Sexed Podcast, but we thought that was ironically a bit dry. A bit dry. Yeah, you need to uh, moisten that up. A exactly. bit of lubrica- lubrication to Precis- slip it in. Precisely. Yeah. And in our first pilot, which was just me and Riyadh pissing around in a studio, <laughs> uh, the phrase unexpected fluids was born. Came up and, yeah. and, and, and here you got. And, and how is that going? Uh, well, it goes full throttle Yeah. Uh, as of the 14th of May, I think. So we've only recorded one episode so far. Okay. Uh, we recorded way more than we need to. It's going to be a podcast. It will be it will broadcast at three in the morning on a Wednesday. So it'll just be Insomniacs, Uber drivers and my dad. And listening. me. I, I'll be and listening. You. I'll be listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it, it's also going to be downloadable as a podcast, which I think is how most people will consume it. Consume it, it yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we just recorded this first this first episode. I think we're in the studio for something like two and a half hours, mm. uh, but that's all going to get nicely Condensed. squozen and squidged and squashed down to a, a lovely juicy 20 minutes or so so short sharp we want to make it really full of laughs it's a bit of a divergence from the from the norm for me because um i got my start as you may know working for a magazine called bizarre which does all the weird wild and wonderful stuff and for a long time life was very hedonistic and about people with vomit fetishes and uh underwater bondage and um People under- shagging in graveyards. Underwater bondage. Yeah, I'm just going to need to stop you on that one. <laughs> but how does how does that even work? Like it's like an X-rated version of Splash. Right. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I met this incredible Japanese bondage specialist yes. called uh, S and M. Okay. Well, actually, his real name is Bruce. <laughs> sure. But he goes by S and M. Um, he is the UK's leading expert on, on shibari, the, pro- shibari. The, the proper term is. Now, when most people think bondage, they think uh, a little bit of gaffer tape around the wrists or, you know, bob down B&Q and get yourself a few cable <laughs> ties, 50 shades down. Uh, yeah. I should say that's highly, highly dangerous. Please do not tie anyone up with cable ties. Because they'll tear into your wrists Yeah, badly, yeah, they're very, they? very yeah. sharp. And also they're quite difficult to get out of in a hurry sure. if you don't have scissors. Uh, and often if people do need to get out of things in a hurry, using a blade is... Uh, it's a bad it's idea. Not ideal, yeah. yeah. Um, but shibari um, is really artistic. It's as much about restraining a person as creating beautiful, uh, flowing shapes on their wow, body with okay. ropes. Yeah. So, and you can suspend them from from things, from the ceiling, from bedposts. From yeah. it's really, really stunning. But it's also a very practiced, studied, acquired skill. So um, S&M is the leading guy in the UK who knows how to get naughty and naughty. Naughty and naughty. Um, And I I interviewed him a few times for magazines and I said, Bruce, you've you've tied up and tied down more people than I can only think of. (laughs) I can only think of uh, who's that Australian dodgy dude who sang about kangaroos and drew cartoons and did timey kangaroo dance with. I have absolutely Ro- uh, no idea Rolf what... Harris oh Rolf <laughs> yeah oh, yeah Rolf. I've made a weird connection now between <laughs> Rolf Harris and S&M that is not the, 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 those the, two have nothing in common these I've seen I've seen some of these like and they, and you're right it is like art I've seen some yeah. of these people where they've been tied up and like the way the intricacy of the knots and the way they're tied and their bodies are in all these different kind of majestic shapes and I'm always like this 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 is a real real skill. It's knockout. It's really yeah. stunning. Well, I, I said to him like you, uh, the the slick line that I completely utterly fudged and fucked up just there. I was trying to say you've tied up and tied down more people than Rolf Harris has kangaroos in a sporting fashion. S and M. You've he's consulted on bondage inspired catwalk fashion. He's yeah. he's worked with really top photographers. I think he's done some stuff on some Hollywood movies. What is your ultimate goal or what do you wish for? What's the one bondage-related exercise that you've never managed to fulfill, your kinky bondage dream? And he said, well, I'm actually a keen diver and I would really love to tie somebody up underwater. Wow. Um, And I'd got my paddy certificate and I'd done a little bit of diving uh, in 
when I was abroad in Thailand. Did you, and, uh, did you let him tie you up underwater? Yes. Is that what you did? Yes, I did. How we got the insurance for that, oh I do not know. I told my mum afterwards. Uh, yeah, Callum. yeah. You don't tell mum beforehand. No. She's, she, she'd be a worry. Well, one of us or both of us would be dead. She yeah. either would have uh, swooned herself through fear or killed <laughs> me for putting her through it. Um, but it was a, it was a really, it was a really funny day. Um, it took a lot of work to make mm. it happen because we had. So to you find... had to, you had like breathing apparatus and things. Presumably, you weren't holding your breath. Actually, I was. What happened was, uh, first of all, we had to find a pool. We phoned around loads yeah. of leisure centres and we said, "Oh, we're doing an artistic magazine shoot. Can we hire out your pool?" Um, the yeses soon turned soon turned into <laughs> no ways when people clocked that the artistic, artistic. shoot involved uh, a lady dressed up as a mermaid being tied up with rope in the deep end. <laughs> Um, but we finally found a country mansion Lovely. that had a pool in the back garden. And this was the site of lots of swingers parties. Oh, nice. So they so were on board. They this were is... already very open minded and their pool was used to having far more full on things go on it and probably far more questionable fluids in there than, than we ever yeah. introduced to that chlorinated water. So we found our we found our location. We then had to find a photographer who was uh, suitably qualified to do the dive, but also, again, willing to uh, to document that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most importantly, I had to find a dive buddy because the plan for me was that I was going to be wearing a mermaid suit sure. with a tail. So my my legs were already held together. Yeah. We put lead weights in the tail oh as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and then I would have um, a buddy whose tanks would have two tubes coming out of them instead of one. Buy one, get one free on oxygen. Sure, yeah. So he would have a, a respirator for himself and he'd also have air for me. Oh, my and gosh. So I had to find somebody who was responsible enough to be... Uh, cool with keeping me alive, but also into this whole concept. Um, the guy we did find actually was really, really lovely, but he was clearly into the kinky side, and there a were a few worrying. Yeah, there were a few mm. worrying moments where he kind of forgot to, to give me. Air. Yeah, yeah, he was getting so turned on by the whole shebang. Oh my but, gosh, um, I kind of, but like that. I can see that that being erotic in a way that whole like you know this is your breathing it's your most basic thing you Precisely. need to live and him having that kind of control over you in a consensual manner yeah. is is incredibly erotic it's, I can see yeah. myself like finding that really really hard it's the ultimate submission yeah. your life is literally in somebody else's hands yeah. and for S&M as well um, there was the added challenge of actually doing the tying underwater yeah. he performed all the bondage rope work under the water yeah um it was actually i think he he's a perfectionist sure and he was actually quite critical of his work because the rope he uses hessian rope um or i think it's hessian or made of hemp it, it's um fa you know fabric yeah once it got wet it behaved differently because it swelled mm, up so sure. he was finding it harder to, to tie the knots but uh, yeah long story short we did do it the photographs were amazing um, I think the least erotic part of the day was when I had to announce to a photographer and two divers that I needed to have a wee, and I just had to, I just had to let it all flow. Well, of course, I mean, what are you going to do? They can't untie you. They can't untie you know? me, unwrap me, and get me in the house <laughs> fast enough. So weirdly, they all got out of the pool and stood on the side, and that sort of made it worse because then I really felt like I had yeah, an audience performing. You know? Yeah, but it was incredible. So how long were you under the water for? How long were you having to, like? be under the water and like holding your breath or waiting for, for the like the breathing apparatus well, we started off with me wearing the breathing the, the, the uh, surrogate breathing apparatus yeah. for uh, for while i was being tied up 
Then we practiced with my dive buddy taking it away and because I couldn't speak underwater, because I was holding my breath and because the sound didn't carry reliably enough, we had two signals. Uh, I couldn't move my hands because they were tied behind my back. This sounds terrifying. Weirdly, I now I look back on it, I realise quite how much my existence was in jeopardy. But at the time, I felt surreally serene and very, very okay, calm. Yeah. I'm quite happy underwater. Yeah. Um, there was one moment where um, the signals that we devised were I would nod my head for when I wanted air. And I had to time that because it took a while for my buddy to swim over. He oh was gosh, swimming out yeah. the way, so we got a clear shot with a photographer. So I had to time my... Um, giving of the signal to say I needed oxygen to allow him to get over and fit the mask on, uh, the, on my on my face and everything um, and then we had a second we had a second signal which was me shaking my head from side to side and that meant get me out now there's right, a problem okay. I only had to use that once and that was when Bruce was behind me tying my arms yeah. and he accidentally pulled my shoulder Ooh. and it just jerked my uh, the breathing device slightly out of my mouth and thankfully I was breathing out at the time but had I been breathing in it I would have inhaled water oh my gosh but it was all a-okay um I live to tell the tale. I think my mum's probably lost at least 15.75 <laughs> years of her life from that one. But do you know what? It was a lot. It, that was many, many years ago yeah. that, I, that, I, that I did that back in my bizarre days. I'm still telling the story. And I, don't, I still think that not many people have done that. Yeah. Um, but my, my career now is... Um, I still, I still do some extreme things, but I'm vaguely more grown up and responsible now. I don't think, I, 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 irresponsibility wouldn't be the word I would use, Alex. Adventurous, playful, out there, you know. <laughs> Absurd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, let's have a little bit of music and then we'll chat a little bit more about all the weird and wonderful things you get up to. I have to. so many squelchy subjects to discuss with you. <laughs> I just got a little preview of those um, pictures we were just talking about there. And you look stunning, 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 stunning. And also, like, I love the... It wasn't what I was picturing. I was I was kind of picture. I don't know what I was picturing, but I love the... You can really, like, see the, like, submissive element there. And, like, yeah. you're so, so wrapped up and so, like, restricted. And just putting that trust in somebody else is... It's, it's, it's an incredible thing to do. And, like... I, I feel like I would kind of like to experiment with that kind of thing. I think there's more people doing it now. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Callum, I will put my investigative hat on <laughs> and see if I can find out if anyone's up to it and down to it. Yeah. Um, I. It's lovely of you to say those pictures look stunning. Um, I'm pretty sure there are cattle prods out there that are more stunning than that. I think if I did it now, we'd probably make it look more elegant. Yeah. But there's something that I like about the rough and readiness of those photos. Sure. It was very. It was. It was genuinely experimental, uh, and also my facial expressions in that in those shots i don't think are particularly elegant uh, and relaxed because i was there is the, the, there's almost like a hint of not fear but there's something in your eye which jeopardy. is jeopardy yeah. is it yes i was concentrating very very hard but i think that adds to it it's it, you feel that emotion you see it in your eye rather than you being like looking serene and like you're having a a, a great time you know this it's showing in your eyes. You're saying, no, look, the, my life is in danger yeah. in this situation. It and doesn't that's look the like point. a fashion shoot, does yes, it? It no. looks like yeah. an experimental, raw, real sex game. Exactly. Um, 
What we found out later, by the way, was that the guy who owned the house and the pool had set up a telescope in his loft and he'd been watching the entire proceedings all day. Wow. Yeah. We went, he took us for a tour around the house afterwards and we clocked this telescope um, right next to a big industrial sized vat of Vaseline. <laughs> wow. So you know what he was uh, getting up to? I'm not sure whether that was a remnant <laughs> from the swingers parties. I yeah. should say, I, I work for, a, I, I represent a number of sexual healthcare brands, including One Condoms. So Love in One my Condoms. Con- they are brilliant. Yeah. Um, but in my capacity as a as a condom enthusiast and uh, and encourager of the use of, I should say Vaseline and condoms not a good idea. Please, folks, do not use oil based lubricants they, with your latex condoms because they, they will break, break them down yeah. and they will tear. Yeah, it's there not we a, go. Segwayed, segwayed from <laughs> telescopic wonder perverts into a safe sex message. Yeah, I they, am growing up, Callum. <laughs> I, I threw a Halloween party last year ooh, and um, one literally. Con- ooh. ooh. Um, one condoms like sent me a load of condoms and things for all my guests which was really nice of them just, just you know just because like happy Halloween everyone so that was really nice have of them. a rubber <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're really they're genuinely really good condoms yeah um, I, I don't think they're that well known in the UK yet they're, yeah. they're quite well established in the States um, but a lot of the, the varieties they do are genuinely quite innovative have you yeah. heard the ones that they do called the pleasure dome no uh, to me that sounds like some kind of 80s uh, mad max style <laughs> thing um but they're they're for want of a better word baggier at the end sure. trying to sell a baggy condom is maybe i'm using the wrong word there a bit they're roomier around the head of the penis okay which a lot of guys find um more, more comfortable. comfortable yeah and it increases sensation mm. a little bit so i'm a big big fan of the pleasure domes i i, I think it's really important that people realize that there are different types of condoms yep. out there and they that they are different shapes they are different sizes um you can have latex free ones you have them in different materials you even have vegan ones i was gonna say do you know about vegan yeah. ones? Yeah, because there's some kind of, I forget what it is, but there's some kind of there's milk, a milk There's thing. a milk protein, casein. Yeah. yeah. It's used as, in very low levels as an additive to help make latex smooth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is problematic if you're vegan. But they use um, something from a tree, I believe, instead of that. Yes, they use milk thistle, I milk believe. Thistle. Which ironically doesn't have any milk <laughs> in it. There's a, there's a brand called Glide, which are really good. Yeah. G-L-Y-D-E. But I, th- I, I, just, I just think, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who just genuinely don't realise that there are different ones available and i think a lot of people go oh right i'm gonna i'm gonna use a condom now and they're you know teenagers or whatever using a condom for the first time and maybe they find that it's uncomfortable even painful in some instances and it's often because they're using the wrong condom and they're just not aware that they should be experimenting and you know you hear guys like oh talking about like extra large condoms and all that but the difference between a, a, a trim condom a regular condom an extra large condom is we're talking millimeters and it's about it's thickness minor. yeah exactly. not length yeah you can get custom fit condoms can you really um, in fact there used to be a condom company called they fit i believe they've been bought by one yeah. uh, and they're operating in the states but i think i think they're going to relaunch that in the uk um because particularly if you guy if you're a guy with uh, unusual proportions, maybe yeah. you're like girthier than your average or a little bit shorter or a little bit longer, or if you have um, a, a particularly curved penis, yeah. then finding a standard condom to fit and that feels good, it can be um, a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there are all sorts of interesting ones out there. There are some that have um, kind of tattoo designs embossed on them. I've seen yeah. those, yeah, almost like wearing like a tattoo sleeve, but on <laughs> yeah, your penis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like ultimate that. rock and roll. <laughs> have you ever seen those ones? I often see them like they're being often sold in men's bathrooms. So perhaps you haven't seen them. Um, <laughs> but they have I like have. Re- really unusual, the tips of them have like really unusual kind of bulbous shapes Ooh. attached to them. And I guess it's I guess it's for the receptive partner's pleasure more than the man's. But it's like they have like oh it's kind of hard to like explain. Ticklers on the uh, end. Yeah, the end is like it's almost like they're like weird balloon animals at the end. <laughs> and I, I see those all the time. And I've never I've never had a like had a, a try. But... On your yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> little... I got sent one that was I think it was Russian. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was this bizarre condom that did look like a. a I uncomfortably like a, a children's party entertainer had decorated it like yeah. say like balloon animals it was, there was a lot going on it kind of looked like someone had drawn a rooster with a blindfold on it had kind of like a a red you know like the little flappy bit underneath a rooster's chin yeah. and, and on the on the, <laughs> the it's called a crown you know, I, the, d- I don't know the anatomy of a rooster it looked like a roadkill rooster sure. but for your torture yeah <laughs> it was very very strange whether it feels good i'm not sure i'm not sure i feel like i need to have a little experiment you know i need to play around a little bit and I, and, I, and again like i feel like we go you know i spend so much time walking up and down the high street going in different shops trying on different pairs of jeans so you know i get the right pair that will get me laid you know got to look cute and then you know you just go oh go into boots or whatever and you just grab the first box of condoms on the shelf you know it doesn't you spend that much time trying to find a nice pair of jeans that fit why would you not spend the same amount of time trying to fit something that's gonna fit on your willy that is an excellent attitude i Mm. wish more people had that outlook yeah. Plus, it can be a really fun way, genuinely, to ring the changes. Sure. Trying different condoms. There's yeah. All sorts of it mi- mix things up there. and like, oh my god, there's one like, uh, it's like a tingle one, and I remember using that with my ex, and I did not get along they with are that. Very divisive. I yeah. did not get along with that at all. It was making me tingle in all the wrong places, and <laughs> tingle was, on your dingle. It was. I I didn't like it at all. Nope. I really, really did not like that. But you know, some people get off on that, so. Um, you know, good for them. Bit of toothpaste in the mouth, some people like, while while giving head. I, I have read that tip. I, I remember reading that a lot in kind of Sugar Magazine and Miz when yeah. I was a teenager. I recall as a younger person um, trying to go down on someone with an extra strong mint in my mouth. <laughs> and I think it was... A, I'm going to put this mildly. I think it was maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> too strong. Should have gone for yeah, that. Yeah, dude looked like I'd gone down on him with a blowtorch between my teeth. <laughs> he was not loving. Not enjoying it. I, I, I tried this again with the same poor guy. I really tortured his todger. I, I was trying so hard to be a good lover. But I'd read somewhere that going down on um, on your bloke with a mouthful of champagne was sophisticated and stimulating. But if you ever had a mouthful of really fizzy oh drink God, in no, it, no, it almost it's, burns. It's so you know? funny that you mentioned this because I kind of did the, my version of that was less upmarket. My, for me, it was somebody was it? told me. Tizer. <laughs> Blue WKD. <WKZ. laughs> no, it was Dr. Pepper. What's Some... the worst that can happen? <laughs> Your schlong falls off. <laughs> yeah, somebody said Dr. Pepper specifically um, 
was really good. But like just trying to get it in the mouth and then trying to like open your mouth <laughs> to like it was all over the place. Get it was, busy with the fizzy. <laughs> it was unpleasant. Did was did the champagne work out for you? No, it no. hurt him. Yeah. And it, yeah, and you're right. It's actually quite difficult to keep that in your mouth. And yeah. Now uh, the th- one thing I have found works, and this is probably the most northern sex tip I will ever give. <laughs> I'm Mancunian. Um, have a cup of, of tea by your bed. I mean, I like to go for mint tea because then it gives that slight minty tingle, but sure. without being not full too on. intense. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like um, you know, <laughs> like the extra strong. Um, but it just warms your mouth and gives ah. a little bit of a, a bit of a bit of a minty tingle yeah. without making it feel like you've essentially just fallen phallus first into a field of stinging metals. I might give that a go, actually. I don't think I've ever tried, like, a warm drink. Because I've tried the whole ice cube thing, which is yeah. quite nice, and I quite like to experiment with that. But I've Someone never... Someone once tried to put a Mr. Freeze lolly up my foof. Uh, how did that... Painful. <laughs> have, you, have you ever licked a lamppost? <laughs> <laughs> so it, did it get, like, stuck to the sides? It was... It actually, it, it could have gone worse... Um, but yeah, it was. It did. It felt like there was some kind of amateur cryogenetic uh, experiment happening in my in my downstairs, downstairs area. Yeah. What flavour? Just out orange, of orange, I think. Uh, oh. I mean, everyone knows those ones aren't the best. I no, should have co- gone for blue co- raspberry or blue or cola. Or cola. Yeah. There's, there's something about that 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 those specifically those ice lollies, the cola flavour. It has a unique flavour that you can't find it's anywhere else. It's the flavour of cool, Callum. <laughs> if you were at school, like high school, unless you were drinking, unless you had the bubble gum, the blue raspberry or the cola, yeah. you were not cool. Yeah, absolutely. If you were sucking on the lemon or the orange, oh my goodness, orange, social, social suicide. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Nobody wants exactly. to be seen with the orange and, and yet you had it rammed right up there. I when I first started dating at high school, I was actually painfully shy around guys. You were not. I don't believe that for a second. I was weirdly quite a big mouth at school, but I was very very swatty, and I just I just sure. found I was happy being people's friends, but I always found interacting with guys in my teens in a romantic sense excruciatingly mortifying. Okay. Um, I dated a guy called Ben who was one of the school studs for a while, and I nice. spent most of that time wondering when someone was going to reveal that it was all a big joke. Sure. Um, and he had this, he had a great reputation for being sexy dude. And he was a sexy dude. He was a gymnast. He could do the splits every which way, <laughs> which looking back on it, it's kind of worrying for a person with a penis. But hey, um, but he, he took to trying to eat ice lollies in the playground in a sexy way oh. to get me to snog him, which wasn't too bad. But then when winter came and uh, the ice lollies were out of the question, he switched to monster munch. <laughs> and I don't know whether... <laughs> I, I love a monster munch. <laughs> I can't eat them anymore, Pickled matey. onion? It was pickled... <laughs> oh. I don't know whether you've ever seen someone's teeth after they've eaten no, monster wow. munch. how? Like Did he think that was sexy? yellow bits of claggy maize mm, oh. stuck to his incisors. Like his gnashes covered in this bright, yet like Simpsons yellow, oh, chewed up no. crisp. Absolutely no. horrified. I do apologise, Ben. I thought you were a lovely man. But, but the monster I, munch was... I couldn't deal with the, the monster munch mas- mastication. It That's... was it was terrifying. <laughs> I can no longer... I'm, I've only just been able to eat frazzles recently. You've only just come round to them yeah, again. Yeah, I love a frazzle, but the trauma was too great. Oh. <laughs> well, on that note, let's have a little bit of choice of Anne.
that was a little bit of Strawberries and Cigarettes by Troy Sivan. And I'm a little bit in love with this song at the moment. It only just came out a couple of days ago and it's from the movie Love, Simon. I can't wait to see that. It's such an important, important movie. And I think just it's about, for anyone that doesn't know, for anyone living under a rock, um, it's about, you know, a a, a kid in high school coming out and, and falling in love. And it's as simple as that. And I've seen so many movies out there where... Yeah, there are there are queer stories being shown. There are queer stories on television. There are queer stories in films. But it's so rare that we see kind of like a happy story. And it's just like yeah. it's it's just like watching like a a teen romance film. And there's no there's a there's a little bit of tricky situations, but there's no drama and there's no you know all that negativity which is so often associated with queer stories. So it's great. And th- this that song is just it, it destroys me every time. It, it comes at a very key part of the movie. It's very emotional, and I've just been, like, rolling it out on repeat. I'm, I'm obsessed. Well, speaking of rolling, I'm now thinking <laughs> I want to make a cigarettes-based playlist because we've got cigarettes and strawberries, yeah. cigarettes and chocolate milk by Rufus Wainwright. So Ooh. we could even make a queer-linked smoking playlist. <laughs> I like going obscure with let's, my musical Let's taste. encourage all the queer kids to smoke. Oh, maybe yeah, not. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. <laughs> I'll rethink that idea. one. Maybe, well, maybe it can be, maybe it can be a, a lesson. Yeah, 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 yeah. A warning. (laughs) I I think it's interesting, the whole, like, kind of sexualization of smoking throughout the years. Like, it's always been like this. Because it's quite phallic, I think. I I answer questions um, from... I I do a podcast called The Modern Man. There's two ends. My co-host is called Ollie Man. So it's not just for guys. It's just... He wanted to make a pun about his name. Sure. Um, We're about seven seasons in now, so we've been going for quite some time. And I do a section on the show called The Foxhole, where I answer people's sex and relationship queries. And I got a question from a guy who said, my partner really loves watching me smoke. Mm. Um, He loves the the way my mouth moves. He loves the humiliation of me breathing smoke in his face. And I think for, for some people as well, it has that teenage... Um, link for them you know it was associated with maybe powerful sexy older kids who they had a crush on sexy kids I'll rephrase that (laughs) I meant yeah I meant you know I I knew what you meant you know what I meant you were a kid as well yeah exactly that was horrifically (laughs) phrased for me but but yeah for a lot of people the the fetishization of smoking has roots in a a very formative younger experience Um, and it's you know it's it's all like you say it's it's a phallic object yeah it's it's if you combine it with red lipstick or something like that, it's, it can be a very powerful mi- image. But um, this writer said to me, I really want to fulfill my partner's kink. Yeah. But I'm a non-smoker and I, I don't feel comfortable harming my body so that they can get their kicks. Sure. Uh, and in the end, we advise, because I've asked a load of um, dominatrix and dominant friends what they do in that circumstance. And some of them said they use fake cig- cigarettes or cigars like you'd see on a movie. Yeah. Um, lots of them said that they'd switch to vaping and apparently you can is get... That as, it, does that have the same kind of... the, the the same kind of sexual appeal with a vape it was a compromise mm. I, I actually got a, a a letter back from this guy okay. saying we tried the vaping it's been a really good way of meeting in the middle yeah but it did take some getting used to i think you can get vaping fluids that don't have any nicotine in them so it's essentially just it's just flavor really right it's, okay it's so it's not damaging flavor. your health yeah. yeah well not that we know of yeah um, and he said it, it took a while for his partner to get off on a little glowing fake cigarette yes, yeah, without yeah. the kind of 
traditional smell and the sound of a cigarette you near know, that that crisp yeah. sort of burning sound and the and the all all the associated rituals of smoking was something that the partner initially missed but it was a really good solution for them in the end and surely you can get like a cigarette that comes without the like tobacco etc you can surely that exists it does for on stage yeah but i don't think that they're that convincing up close yeah um i'm not sure I've never, I've never smoked Interesting. myself. I am pure. <laughs> well, I, 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 I really want to know more about you, actually, Alex. Um, so I thought we'd do a little bit of uh, Two Truths, One Lie. Okay. Um, so for our lovely listeners at home, uh, Alex is going to read me three facts about herself. And two of them are going to be absolutely true. And one of them is going to be a great big fib. Well, brace yourself, please. <laughs> okay. My first possible truth is... Callum, I once recently spent an evening sending a man pictures of my wide open mouth with little bits of chewed up prawn stuck, stuck between my teeth because it turned him on. Wow. So not monster munch, but prawn. prawn. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so like wide open, like we just, so you've just had a mouthful of prawns, you've chewed them, you've swallowed, but you've got like remnants of prawns still yeah. kind of hanging around in your teeth. Sushi debris. Mm. Yeah. And this was a guy that you were really into, trying to have sex with. What was the situation here? I I'm not going to divulge Sure, that. that's fine. I will when we get round to telling, uh, when I get round to revealing whether it's okay, true or false. Sure. But I did send a significant number of pictures of, of your open my mouth. open mouth full of bits of food. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Hit me with your next one. Number two. Someone once gave me an orgasm by just touching my arm after putting me in a hypnotic trance. Ooh. So, like, properly put you under, like, hy- hypnosis and then... Hypnotised me. Yeah. Put me under uh, and then programmed me so that just touching my arm would make me come. No. Um, Darren Brown did that to me once. Not to me individually. He did it to me in a room full of people. Made you come? Uh, uh, almost. Darren Brown's a deeply sexy man. <laughs> he, he is a bit of a dad, isn't he? Yeah. He's, uh, he's got a certain something about him. Yeah, I went to see one of his shows and he did this um, kind of... I, c- I can't really explain what it was, but it, it was like he was... He programmed the audience to every time he kind of like lifted his hands in the air and like put all the big lights on for us to feel like this overwhelming sense of happiness. Ooh. And while he was doing this, he said, you know, I want you to picture something that makes you really really happy and my mind went to sex and i think that's why it became a sexual Ah. thing for me and so while he was doing it every time he did this thing with his hands i literally felt like i was having an orgasm i wasn't ejaculating but i felt it in my penis tantric tingles tantric tingles and yeah so i can i can 100 percent relate to the being put under a trance and then having it associated because because sex is so mental Oh, absolutely. It's so and in our heads. I think it's often more in our head than it is our actual genitals. And it's in our whole bodies as yeah. well. Like our bodies are connected via all sorts of complicated nerve pathways and neural pathways in our brains, as you say. Like, I think too many people just focus on the bullseye of the ball sack or the, or, the, yeah. or the vulva or, you know, or whatever genitalia, bit of genitalia they're dealing with and completely forget that 
the entire body has the capacity for pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can really take the pressure off if you remember that you've got an entire playground to frolic in. and You, you don't, don't just have to focus down there. Exactly. You don't, you don't just, just have, have to, to slide straight onto that roundabout. God, I love an extended wow. metaphor. Don't I, I? I really hope that's true. I really, really hope that I'm that's true. I'm intrigued by your Darren Brown story. I'm now, my science brain is thinking, I wonder if there was a particular type of light that mm. makes you feel naturally euphoric as a human being. Well, it was it was it was quite it was quite a long process, and it, it, it the whole thing lasted for about twenty minutes. And he was really building it up. So he was saying, "Okay, now picture the thing." And as I was picturing the thing, was when he would put the lights on, and they would have he would have music going, and it was this kind oh, of so it, it built up and it built up and it built well. up. So that when he did this thing with his hands, and the music came on, and the lights came on, a big crush, a climax, uh, basically, yeah, a, yeah. a, a climax, it was and it really event. went. Through yeah. Me. My my two housemates um, were with me, and they sat down afterwards and went, "Well, that was shit." And really? I was I was there, like grasping onto my seat, like I, my legs had gone, my knees had gone weak. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. And they were like, "That didn't work on me." And I was like, "Bloody well, did on me." I think it would work on me. Have you ever um, listened to or heard of ASMR? Videos? Oh yeah, yeah, I love of course ASMR. you do. You're a YouTuber. Yeah, <laughs> I I listen to some. I listen to quite a lot of ASMR before I fall asleep. And I've noticed as well if I, I get a very similar effect to that those ASMR um, tingles if yeah. I am listening to certain pieces of music and in the, and the, the effect is enhanced if I'm moving in time. So if I'm walking in time to a piece of music, this amazing glow starts on the back uh, of my neck and spreads over my shoulders. My so ASMR habit's got quite weird lately though. I've moved from the like the nice um, like tapping on things yeah. and, and fake spas and Have people you... giving me facials. I've moved yeah. on to this guy called there's an Riyadh's gonna make think that this sounds really questionable, but there's an Irish guy okay. called Gale Force who does <laughs> sexy boyfriend fake like fake uh... scenarios like Irish boyfriend tucking you in for the night or Oh no I follow <laughs> I I, been, I was watching a guy who did similar like be- beautiful boy called Sebastian. I can't remember yeah. his his uh, YouTube name. Um and he does like going on a date with a boyfriend ASMR and yeah. he just sits there and very softly talks to you and you can hear the sound of his his lips just very gently kind of I'm like, torn on the lip smacking oh thing. I love lip smacking and like you can hear him having like he has a sip of his wine and then he's just having dinner and like but like he's got the microphone up in everything so you hear every yeah. little noise and it's just so oh I love it's it a, I love it, it. It's, a, it's such a fascinating art isn't it's it it's bizarre ASMR? but I love it it, yeah. it is totally weird, and now I'm completely in at the deep end of it. I often listen to a guy called Tony Bomboni. Um, who, These great names. Yeah. Great names. He does really bonkers ASMR where he pretends to be an alien or pretends to be, like, performing an exorcism on you or stuff. Sure. It's, uh, I started off with the fairly straightforward stuff, and now I am I am lost in the outer <laughs> realms of weird. Uh, I often, when I, when I turn my phone on in the morning... I see whatever it was that I happened to fall asleep to, and I, I think, Christ, no wonder my dreams are fucked Golly up. Golly gosh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to hear my third I do, possible I do, I do. Okay, number three. I own a dildo in the shape of a realistic poo, complete with sweet corn nubbins. Wow, wow. Um, I feel like... Oh, I, I feel like you definitely do, Alex. Um, I love I d- that you didn't even question that. <laughs> I feel like you don't... Shit dildo, yeah. Like, I feel like it's something that you own for fun and perhaps you've used it, but, like, you weren't like, oh, yeah, this is going to get me off. Or maybe you were. 
I... Mm, oh, it's a tricky one. The, the nubbin is designed the, to stimulate the clitoris. Which is the yeah. sweet corn yeah. sticking out. The sweet corn for your sweet spot. I yeah. just It's a very <laughs> niche product to design and market, isn't it? Well, people do put such things in their niches. It's... Um, well... I'm going to I'm going to make you guess which of these is untrue before I move on. Sure, because uh, cuz d- otherwise I'm going to give myself away. So, Callum, do you think my lie is that I sent a load of pictures to a guy with my mouth full of chewed up food <laughs> or that someone gave me an orgasm just by touching my arm when I was in a hypnotic trance or that I own a dildo shaped like a human shit? If you were anyone else, I would say all three of those things were lies. But because it's you, they all sound very plausible and very true. <laughs> um, oh, I, God, what is my life? <laughs> I feel like they're all true, but you've changed the details slightly in something. You so are I, a very clever young man. So I'm going to say that the lie is the being put under a trance and being made to orgasm from your arm alone. And I feel like something similar happened, but not that exactly. You get the golden prize. Yes. Which is actually a turd-shaped dildo. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I haven't experienced an orgasm under hypnosis. Oh, okay. Um, I have met people who say they can give hypnogasms they're called hypnogasm. it depends how suggestible you are i think yeah um but they they claim that they can put you in a trance and give you an orgasm and also that it can be useful to your sex life because they can program you so that your partner can stimulate you in a certain way following that treatment and make your sex life more fulfilling and more wow. satisfying make it easier for you to climax I'm sceptical but interested. Mm. I have, however, been hypnotised. I was hypnotised for the first time uh, just last weekend by a guy hilariously called Des O'Connor, but not that Des O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> hypnotised by Des O'Connor. <laughs> Lives are truly bizarre. Uh, it was for a very different reason. It was um, it was almost like a guided meditation, really. It was a deep relaxation yeah. that was... Um, designed to help help relieve stress and, yeah. and treat some uh I'd, i was i'm becoming very confessional here i suppose but i was i was dealing with some uh uncomfortable aspects of my early life sure. that I, I felt like i needed to i needed a little bit of support in ways of thinking about those more positively yeah. um and my friend said oh you know i'll i'll give you a mate's race rate session of hypnosis and i thought well what the hell have I got to lose? Yeah. I thought it was going to be a crock of shit, which may or may not be <laughs> actually doubling as a dildo, uh, and that it would be maybe unpleasant. It was totally different to what I expected. I felt so relaxed. Wow. It was really, really useful to me. And I actually left his uh, Harley Street abode. Yeah feeling light and I had for ages but that might have just been because I sat down for an hour well that too yeah, yeah. but it worked it worked um, to totally change my mind about hypnosis it sounds really interesting and, and going back to the hypnogasm did you call yeah, it yeah I'm now I'm a very, little bit more in, yeah. a bit more um, I think willing I, to believe in the hypnogasm now that I have experienced how pleasant hypnosis can be yes and I'm I, and I'm very I'm I'm all about kind of like we have the ability to kind of um, manipulate and change the way we think and, and almost like reprogram ourselves and I think we are kind of like programmed one way sexually and you know this is how I have sex this is how I get off this is how I get my pleasure and I think just kind of the idea of opening us up and saying maybe we can move things around here maybe we can reprogram this so you experience pleasure in a different way I think that's entirely 
possible. Again, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if it works. I've not. I've not tried it myself. But I think the it, it definitely sounds plausible to and me. And when you frame it like that, yeah, it also sounds like a damn good idea, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not sure that I believe in hypnosis, or I haven't haven't personally experienced hypnosis of that form that you see in kind of Phoenix Nights, back of the pub. Um, Shazam, mm-hmm. Mr. Magical, kind of, you know, that, that sort of thing where um, some dude in a shiny suit gets someone on stage and, and then puts them in a trance and makes them behave like a donkey and they, remi- they remember nothing else afterwards yeah. or gets them to suck off a turd-shaped dildo and they have no clue <laughs> about it. I'm not sure that someone would be able to put me in that state. But I am now much more open to the idea that reaching a deep state of relaxation and becoming very very open-minded and aware of your body and really really blissed out and chilled out totally think that could help you access new forms of pleasure or or be be more uh receptive to the idea that what you're conditioned to believe Mm -hmm. is sexy that there's more to it than that you know there's more potential well i've kind of like the whole like pain and pleasure Yes. Balance and divide. I I, I, I got really interested into the, in this a, a couple months back, and I was like, experimenting with a sexual partner, and I was just trying to almost convince my mind that things that I would usually associate as being painful were actually pleasurable, and actually just kind of really focusing and concentrating, I suddenly felt that actually this is now a, a pleasurable sensation, something that you would usually associate as being painful suddenly now became pleasurable just by kind of just thinking about it differently and kind of changing my perspective and my mindset. So I think it's it's it, it's, it's definitely an achievable thing. That's um, a really interesting approach to take to it. Yeah. Because a lot of um, the science of S&M suggests that uh, if you inflict pain upon somebody, then their body produces a rush of endorphins to counteract that pain. Mm. And it's the endorphins that give you that sort of, because they act as a natural painkiller, they yeah. give you that that rush, that blissed out. Have you heard the, the phrase subspace? I haven't. Um, lots of people who are into hardcore S&M say that after being whipped or flogged or whatever it is they're doing, after... after um, a certain amount of impact or pain play they reach uh, a state that they refer to as entering the subspace where they feel floaty and really kind of um dreamy and 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 uh almost like an out-of-body experience it's very uh, i think it's um a lot of people describe it's profoundly relaxing sure um and that is traditionally attributed to a high level of of endorphins rushing Mm -hmm. through their body so it's quite a chemical thing but you saying that you are actually focusing on that same sensation and sort of trying quite in quite a concentrated way to set to to change the way you feel about yeah. it. That's really interesting. Well, as well, because I feel like you can definitely relax into things. You know, I find like yes. even something as simple as a really tough gym workout. I find if I start like getting myself all like stressed out about it and I'm and I'm struggling and I'm feeling the pain and it's like, oh, this is too much. Sometimes just going no, this is okay, take a deep breath and relax. Suddenly, 
the, the pain almost goes away. Your connection with your body is really well developed. Oh, well, it's me great. and my body have had quite a lot of time together. Um, is, is your body well connected to anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's never connected to anyone ever. Well, um, if you want something to connect it to, I do, in fact, own the turd-shaped dildo. Uh, well, it was sent to me by a lovely company called Uber Kinky. And there, if you want to peruse an interesting website, click on over to that one. <laughs> my Lord. They've got some things that will make your eyebrows shoot right off the top of your forehead. Wow. Uh, it's for people who are into the idea of scat play so who yeah. want to play with poo yeah but that's obviously quite a high maintenance act sure there's a lot of there's a lot of cleanup you can't really have a poo based quickie no know? no yeah so if you uh maybe want to play around with that idea that symbolism that that uh, concept of humiliation or of taboo then the turd shaped dildo is a good midpoint i have to say it's not really my cup of tea no um i think personally scat play is even further along the line of disgust than uh, the monster munch but just because it squicks me out I can appreciate that the for other, a, people. other people it's it's, it's compelling and, would and enjoyable a, would a, and that's w- cool would a poo shaped dildo kind of do it for somebody who was into scat play though because I feel like it's the dildo has suddenly become this quite sanitary thing yeah and I feel like it's very disconnected from the kind of like raw kind of I don't want to say dirty but that kind of I feel like that. I, I don't know, but I feel like that's yeah, probably what gets them on. Yeah, of it and, yeah. and the and the 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 rankness and the, the yeah. usual disgust, crossing that boundary and um, being that that subversive for for many people is the turn on. Yeah. Um. I think the dildo could work in a number of ways. For a start, it could fulfil that idea of uh, being a quickie thing. Yeah. It would also be. Um, an entry-level experimental project for somebody who is maybe thinks they might enjoy that but they're not sure yeah or it might be a way of a partner who isn't into scat but wants to help try and fulfill their it's lovers. almost like a compromise yeah it's exactly exactly that... it's something visual yeah um but i also think they might sell a lot of those for stag do's and, you know, and as, so. as novelty I, items i feel like that's where they're getting a lot of the money yeah, on that one yeah in fact i must take mine into my office and just leave it around and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> all right let's have a little bit of the crips did they have to choose did they can wear brown shoes foobar radio presents we're joined by Harriet Thorpe. I'm very lucky because I trained at the Royal Ballet School before my tits got too big. Right. They were never, <laughs> never getting in a tutu, darling. It was never going to happen. It was not, could you not? Could you really not? No, darling. Not without ropes and pulleys She's and several strong her. people. She's I know. It's a, it's a well, I wouldn't get in a tutu. I know that. No, it's not. I wouldn't, well, no, we could get in. We wouldn't stay in the tutu. No, exactly. We? Thank you. They, 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 yeah, exactly. Watch that. Yes, you would. It's a different would, kind of show. Thank I you. Would Moving go on. I would watch Swan Lake if everyone was falling out in a tutu. <laughs> and not even in a sexy way. I think I'd just find it funny. You, you want to join us? I'll do yeah, there you go. Every Monday. Ian Boltzworth. From 2pm. Fubar Radio. So now we are joined on the phones by screenwriter Joe Barton. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, uh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how's it going? Good. Really, really good. I'm here in the studio with Alex Fox. Hey, who... Joe. Hi, Alex. <laughs> um, so you're, um, you're a screenwriter and you have a particular passion for queer cinema. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, well, I've got a, a film uh, called My Days of Mercy. It's playing in the BFI Flair Festival tomorrow. Yes, yeah. uh, that's, that, that, that's tonight, I believe. It's, it's opening the BFI tonight. Flair, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, opening it. And, and, and is that a queer movie itself? 
It is, yeah, it is. Uh, it stars Ellen Page and Kate Mara, uh, two women that meet each other, um, fall in love, have a relationship. Um, so yes, it's very much LGBT. That's amazing. And I, I, I think as well, like right now, I feel like we're in this kind of culture where we have so many of these amazing queer movies emerging. I mean, we had Moonlight, which was obviously incredible for representation, winning the Oscars. And, you know, we've had Call Me By Your Name and Love, Simon coming out soon. And I think it, now is a and, and Carol a couple of years ago. And I think now is a is a really great time for kind of queer movies emerging. Um, what do you think, like, why are you particularly passionate about queer cinema and why do you think it's so kind of important that we have these movies kind of filling up these spaces? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, representation across any medium is incredibly important. I think we've seen, like, like you say, just some really amazing films and, and, and we've seen over the last couple of years that people have had an opportunity to make stories that have been more diverse and more diverse audiences have had an opportunity to see themselves reflected on the screen, which is always, you know, just, I think it's incredibly important, whether it's LGBT or whether it's people of colour, you know, you see sort of big Hollywood movies like Black Panther or Wrinkle in Time and doing that. Um, I, just, I think it's undeniably uh, important and, and, and vital for people to see themselves reflected on screen. I, I You know, My Days of Mercy is the first sort of, I suppose, purely LGBT film that I've done. I've had gay characters in other films yeah. and TV shows I've written. I keep, you know, plan to do it going forward as well. I think it's just about reflecting the world uh, back as, as it is, you know, as, as people as people see it. I think it's always a, an important thing. Yeah, and I think, I think sometimes people kind of lack almost an appreciation for how um, how little representation we often see. You know, um, when Black Panther, like you mentioned, came out, like the amount of like seeing just on Twitter and online the the communities forming over this movie and people really coming together and bonding because for the first time they're really seeing themselves on screen and I think for a lot of people you know that's it, you know a lot of people don't really appreciate how important it is I mean you know growing up myself watching you know your your Disney movies and things like that and never you know always kind of seeing the heterosexual love story I don't think people kind of realize how isolating that can be and and really confusing i think a lot of people say you know we shouldn't be making all these 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 queer movies because it's gonna confuse people but i think if anything it's it's more confusing for a, a kid growing up lgbt plus and and not and not seeing themselves represented yeah exactly or, or you know or just seeing them as or seeing themselves as marginalized or seeing themselves as just um sort of comedy psychic sometimes um lots of people have been talking about a film called love simon this week, which is, you know, sort of great teen movie, which has an LGBT relationship front and centre, whereas, you know, it's an amazing movie, but something like Mean Girls, you know, that the, the gay character was, was the was the comic relief almost in, in that. So, um, yeah, it's it's great, I think. And, and, and it's good that studios and, uh, and places can see that these films can make money and be successful, you know, like Panther huge hugely successful and, and in the you know moonlight won the oscar last year and uh so i think it's i think it's only going to get better going forward hopefully absolutely and i think i think if we look back at kind of lgbt plus representation across the past couple of dec decades i mean there's been a lot of talk about um the show friends um which obviously when it came out there was a lot of kind of 
There is LGBT plus representation in Friends, but it's often that um, the LGBT plus people are the butt of the joke. People almost. are looking back now at Friends yeah. with with whole with, with new yeah. eyes, aren't they? And really, really reassessing that. Although I think in its time elements of friends were considered kind of progressive just even acknowledging yeah. that you could be pals with someone who was lgbt plus was, was in itself was, at the time yeah it was nudging yeah. things yeah. forward i was thinking as you were um discussing there joe the idea of the roles that lgbtq folks used to be cast in and i remember a lot of 90s movies particularly teen movies with that kind of gay best friend trope and I look back at when I was kind of 18, 19, when some of my friends started to come out. Uh, and I think a lot of them felt like the only way that they could be accepted and almost the kind of expected way for them to express their sexuality was by fitting into that very, very restricted definition of what a, a socially acceptable gay person looked like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I suppose if you know if, if if you lived in a place where there weren't very many other you know LGBT uh, people like you, then you you were kind of getting your signifiers from the TV and film. You know, if you weren't growing up in London or or Brighton or places like that. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of like, well, how 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 should you act? And then you you, you see uh, gay characters being represented on TV and film in a, in a certain way. Um, I, I'm sure you know that's that people probably did sort of feel like well that's that's how I should be even if that even that isn't you know how you naturally are you know this is quite a different kind of vibe I guess but a little while ago I saw a French film called 120 beats per minute which um was a, a study of um French activists' resistance to the way that uh, French healthcare systems and governmental systems in the 90s reacted to what was then a huge AIDS, AIDS crisis. Uh, and a lot of that film was painful and so upsetting to see, but important to witness. But one of the things I loved about it was that it unflinchingly, unapologetically, beautifully had some really sustained scenes mm. of men sleeping with men. Mm. The camera didn't pull away at the point of, of penetration. It wasn't shot in a, in a way where it hinted that sex happened. It was portrayed in exactly the same way that a sexy film about cis straight people would be. And I, I found it really, really refreshing. Um, my fear, though, however, is that the people who would really benefit from seeing a film like that probably won't see it in the cinema. But that's why it's exciting that films like yours are heading up festivals and people are mm. talking about Call Me By Your Name and folks who maybe aren't part of the queer community are seeing this cinema and taking it seriously. I, I think sometimes as well, I think it's it, it's kind of like touching upon these like really deep, difficult, often controversial issues like films about HIV and AIDS, for instance, is it almost... A, a, it allows you to make your characters very, very human mm -hmm. and fragile and vulnerable. And I remember even before I came out, I watched a, a wonderful um, LGBT plus movie called Philadelphia um, with Tom Hanks. Um, and it's about him living with HIV and, uh, and kind of going through that process. And seeing my father cry at that movie was a, was a real moment for me because he was watching an LGBT plus character 
and really seeing them as human and really connecting to them and really having that emotional response. And that in itself said to me, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's okay to be gay. I'm, I'm still a human. And I think as well, like seeing lots of different LGBT plus characters in all different settings. You know, we have LGBT plus presidents in TV shows now. And, and, and I think it's really important that we see lots of different examples of, of people. So it's not a, oh, I'm gay. How am I supposed to act? It's I'm gay and that's a part of me and I can I can act and be whoever I want to be. Yeah, there are more yeah. options. Joe, I'm intrigued. Perhaps this is maybe not your specialism, so forgive me if I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but um, <laughs> Callum mentioned Disney films earlier mm. and there has been quite a, a debate about the potential that Elsa's character in Frozen is going to uh, come out as a lesbian and have a, a female partner in a, in, a, in the next in the in the, in the next movie um i wonder right. what your thoughts are about writing uh, queer films for younger audiences well i mean i i definitely think it's a good thing to have films for younger audiences that deal with uh lgbtq plus issues absolutely i mean there's been i guess kind of lip service to it there was a mm. character who was maybe going to be gay in um, the Beauty and the Beast uh, film that came out a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. And, um, you know, there's been lots of talk about is Dumbledore gay or not? Well, you know, sort of J.K. Rowling say Dumbledore's gay, but then people getting upset that there's not going to be any, it's not going to be sort of dealt with in the films. And yeah. I... I think it. Uh, I think it could even be a good thing for the, for the reasons that we were talking about. You know, for... I don't think, you know, no one's really born homophobic and, and, and no one's, mm. you know, that's something that people are, I, I suppose, taught throughout their lives and it probably starts quite early. And I think, you know, the more we can show young kids that there's a, you know, spectrum of different ways of being and there's no one right or wrong way and that includes gay rights, that includes, you know, the colour of our skin, you know, how we dress, who we are, where we live, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's nothing wrong with with, with 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 getting that in early. I think in a sort of you know appropriate way for a children's movie. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think we're we're seeing a lot more inclusivity in, in in children's movies now. You know, like Disney seems to be making a lot more effort to be inclusive of you know people from different backgrounds. They're setting a lot of their movies from all over the world now. Um, you know, trying to be inc as inclusive as possible. And I think just taking that a little step further and, in, and including LGBT plus people is, is, is really, really important and it will make an enormous difference. How do we all feel about um, non-LGBTQ plus actors playing queer roles? Mm. Yeah, well, I, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's sort of a, a, a growing debate. Um, and you, you mentioned uh, Philadelphia, obviously Tom Hanks, uh, is it, not gay, but you know, not incredible in that film. Mm. Um, but possibly in a time where I don't think there were particularly many uh, out gay actors um, who have been able to do the role. It, it's, it, it, I don't know. You know, we, we've got uh, Ellen Page, obviously in my film, but also Kate Mara, and they both play um, lesbians. And I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's important when when you're doing. You know, you're telling a story about a, a community or a culture or something that isn't your own to do it respectfully um, and sensitively and with understanding. I think you don't want to get to the point where you're uh, actively avoiding casting people from the communities that you're that you're 
that you're putting on screen. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it with disabled characters, mm. like Eddie Redmayne yeah. playing Stephen Hawking, or um, I don't know, sort of trans characters, I suppose, Jared Leto or really whoever. It's yeah. I, I mean, I suppose it's 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 a difficult one. It's a really difficult one, and maybe it should be taken on a case by case basis. But I, I, you know, I suppose ideally you want a world where you know gay actors can play straight and gay, straight yeah. actors can play straight and gay. You want all of that. But, but you know, traditionally the big problem has been actors have felt that if they come out, it's going to damage their their chances of playing straight roles on screen as well. And that's you know something else that that that, that should be addressed. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult. I think it's a complex issue. It is yeah, complex. Then there's people good, like James answer. Franco, aren't there, who kind of flirt with the <laughs> idea of hinting that they might right, be right. some, like they might be queer. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I, I get the feeling that they're sort of trying to do that to be edgy. I, oh. I, yeah. I, I, I really, really like it when people, I feel like, go above and beyond to be inclusive. And I think, you know, in the best possible world, you would have so many LGBT plus characters being played portrayed by LGBT plus actors. And I think an, mm. a, an amazing example of this um, was um, Orange is the New Black on Netflix. Um, mm. Oh, I've forgotten the actress's name now. Um, the, she plays the transgender character. Um, I was absolutely hooked <laughs> on that show for ages and I'm drawing a mental blank but as well I think now. The most wonderful thing about it was they, they had this kind of dilemma because they wanted her to play this transgender character but they also wanted to tell her backstory and in yeah. doing so they needed to show her before she transitioned and they thought it would be incredibly problematic to ask this transgender woman Laverne Cox Laverne Cox they thought it would be <laughs> incredibly problematic to ask yeah. a transgender woman you know to to kind of act out her life pre-transition. So what they did was they asked her twin brother to play that role. And I think... Is that how you played it? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And I don't think many people know that. And I think that's just an amazing example of going above and beyond to kind of be as inclusive as possible. But on the flip side of that, I guess, you know, not everybody has kind of access to your Ellen Page, for instance. Like, um, like right. getting, getting her for the role in this, in this movie must have been particularly difficult. Well, I mean, I, it, it 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 was well, it was sort of wasn't in in a way. I mean, it, I'd written the script, so I've written the script sort of nine years ago, the first draft of it, and it was just sort of sitting around. And it actually ended up um, going to her. We were at the same agency, and after she came out, she was her and Kate wanted to make a film together, and mm. and Ellen was sort of actively looking for more LGBT characters that she could play. And um, my agent had this script. Uh, it, you know, sort of in, in in a drawer somewhere, and her agent sort of was going around. You know, look, I'm looking for a project uh, with these themes, so it, it just got passed from one agent to the other. And, and 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 when that happened, she, her, and Kate came on sort of straight away. Really, mm. after a quick rewrite, and 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 so as, once it had gotten to her, it, it was quite a a quick process, and they produced it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that having actors like that attached to your project does. The speed up the process quite a lot, um, definitely. I'm trying to be cool, <laughs> but it's really not working. I'm really excited that about this film, and I, I love Ellen Page. And oh god, I, I would not be able to talk about this in such a chill manner as you're managing, Joe. <laughs> I, I would be wibbling and flapping all over the place about how exciting this is. <laughs> no, I, I am. Like, I'm, it, it's, it's been really surreal actually to, since. Uh, just the whole process of, of getting it made and having them in it and and you know, the weird thing was I'd written it 
just after um, uh, Juno had come out, and I'd uh-huh. seen Ellen in that, and I'd yeah. been sort of a massive fan of hers, and, and she'd she'd been doing interviews and talking about this, you know, sort of paucity of good roles for actresses in, in Hollywood, and it was partly sort of hearing her talk about that that made me want to. Uh, I hadn't written very many screenplays at that time, so I, I, I was like, "Oh, I should." I realised I hadn't written one with a with a female protagonist in, and it was so partly from those from listening to her talk post Juno. Uh, that was one of the sort of reasons I actively sort of went on. I wasn't going to write something with a female protagonist, so to have her actually sort of starring in it, um, however many years later, it, it, yeah, it's been it's been very um, strange, but yeah, exciting. <laughs> Uh, well, Joe, it's been absolutely amazing um, chatting to you. The film is called My Days of Mercy and it is opening BFI's London Flare LGBT Plus Festival tonight. And I think it's really, really important that people um, support this movie and just in general support LGBT plus movies everywhere. You know, I think that's one thing I think sometimes we often fail to do. We talk about the importance of representation and then we kind of forget to go and you know buy the cinema ticket do you know what i do as well and i this is going to make me sound like a like i'm being a self-indulgent wanker here but um when i went to see black panther i noticed that um there was horrible outpouring of racism from certain people on twitter so i spent the same price as a, a cinema ticket affordable for a lot of people though not all i recognize that but i I bought a second ticket for um uh, a charity that helps black kids get into cinema and Mm. get into acting and i'm going to go and see your film joe and i'm also going to donate the price of a ticket to the lgbt foundation Uh, i I just find wonderful idea well it's a small thing it's like bringing a pal really but your pal is a charity and i I find doing things like that is a it's a really easy way of doing something that kind of pays it forward when you get to see great cinema like that. Oh, definitely, yeah. That's, well, I'll, I'll do the same. I'll do the same thing. That's a lovely idea. I'm going to do the same as well. I oh, think great. we're all in we'll agreement. We'll all do it. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> I am a wanker sometimes as well, though. I also do deeply evil, horrible things. <laughs> like try and kiss people after eating mouthfuls of, of uh, Monster Munch. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst crime. The very worst. <laughs> Well, you've you've been a pleasure to talk to, Joe. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. What a what a, what an angel. And what an a mass a massive achievement. Yeah, an, an enormous achievement. And I think it's it, it, you know you, we there needs to be more appreciation for how much time and effort and, and and passion goes into these things and just. I feel a bit dumb as well because I don't know all about Joe's back catalogue. So I'm going to go and check out his other screenplays and his work. And it's exciting though, isn't it, when you discover someone that is new to you and then you get to go and dig around in the archives and and see their journey and and see see the things that they've created. It's it's really exciting. Absolutely. So many talented people out there. So many talented people out there, and yeah. I should say, if, if anyone fancies going and digging in my archives. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know, I, I went at the, at the weekend, I went to an event called Eroticon, mm-hmm. which is a two-day gathering uh, organised by an amazing sex blog called Gir- Girl on the Net. Yes. Uh, where people who write and speak and communicate about sex in a sex-positive manner get together to, to, to do some workshops and swap ideas and promote what works and what doesn't. It's really grassroots and community based and it's brilliant. And one of the discussions there, which was um, it was a part of a panel talk with two sex educators called Justin Hancock. He's Mm -hmm. also known as Bish. He does a lot of um, sex ed stuff for young people. Uh, And um, 
a person called Meg John Barker who's written an immense amount of fantastic books. Uh, Both of them do a lot of good work on uh, helping people to communicate better with each other about what they want in a sexual relationship and kind of taking the pressure off about sex. But one of the questions that we tackled was what happens when, as someone who tries to be... um, woke if you will now and I'm always learning and evolving about what I know about sex and my attitude and trying to educate myself I've been writing for about 13 14 years and I am pretty sure that some of the things that I published as a younger stupider less informed less enlightened person would probably make me cringe and sometimes I'm quite fearful that now that everything lives forever on the internet that How as the times yeah. change, that yeah, and I, I, how do you I, deal I, with your history? Exactly, it's it's out there, and I think people do need to have a, a little bit of of kind of understanding that, that that times do move. Like we were talking about the the friends thing, yes. um, a little while ago, and I and I do think perhaps people were harshly criticising it a little bit too much. Like I do understand that some of the the jokes and things were were were, were slightly problematic. Some but haven't aged well. They've not aged well, and that's the that's the issue. We're we're coming at it with a very different mind frame now. We're we're all so much more educated, and it we're is more a bit in... of a call out culture, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's in a way it's something to be celebrated that the jokes that were made on Friends back in the day are not ones that any of those actors or any of the people who worked on that that, that project they wouldn't make those now. Yeah, it's not that they were bad people. No, it's just that attitudes weren't as as enlightened and and people didn't understand each other as much. I guess absolutely. So please forgive me, everybody listening, <laughs> if you find anything. Do you know what the word... I'm, I'm quite upfront about one thing. I know that I did that looks really bad, but it wasn't intended to. You ready for this, Callum? I'm so ready. I was DJing at Christmas party. And it was like it was kind of a fetish-themed party. Okay. And I really wanted to wear this black zip-up leatherette catsuit. Sure. Um, I was too cheap to buy leather. It was, uh, or, or we'll say vegan. Um, and, but I, I didn't really know what to go as. And I was thinking, and then finally, after, after lots of pissing around, looking in my craft drawers and like trying things on and them not working, I hit on what I thought was a genius idea. What do naughty kids get in their stockings at Christmas? Coal. A piece of coal. Sure. So I thought, great, I'll go as, as a piece of, of coal, coal in in my in my black leatherette catsuit. Oh. I'll paint myself oh, black. You can see no. where this is going. Oh no! I, I had a Alex, I, I no. backcombed my no. hair. I, I covered myself in black glitter, oh. and I I took a sack that I came out of, so it was clear that I was a piece of coal and sure. like Brussels sprouts to throw at people but it, in my mm, ignorance I did not really I didn't anticipate that this would not look politically correct, correct at I all. should be absolutely clear my intention was not to parody anybody yeah with a different skin color to me I just made a real fucking balls up with yes. the outfit and by the time I clocked that things were not looking in reality like they did in my head and that it wasn't immediately obvious that I was a piece of coal and I did look like it, 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 
at best, I looked like that scene in Zoolander when he's down at the mine. Sure. At worst, I looked like I was doing something hugely, hugely offensive, offensive that I would never do. I, th- I think it's important that with these things that we look at people's intent. I think still, though, intention is not. The, it, 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 yeah. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, but I think we can, like. Maybe it's not my place to forgive you, but I would say in that in that situation, you know, your intent and your heart was in the right place. You weren't meaning to do something offensive, and you should absolutely never do that again. <laughs> no, Please never do that never ever, do. ever ever again. No. But you know, you you weren't you weren't bad, you weren't meaning to do bad. And it I think was, that's what's was important. No bad intention, and the costume was in no way meant to be a parody, but. Good That's Lord, how it, came it across. looks bad in photographs out of context. <laughs> if you find those on the internet, people, please know. Drag her. Oh, drag her. Please don't. All right. Can we drag ourselves into a song? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I was busy thinking about boys. Boys. How do you feel about porn? Ooh, oh, uh, I get asked this question a lot. Mm. I think making it go away by banning it is not a sensible or possible approach. Plausible. It just doesn't... Um, yeah, I think that there is good sex-positive porn out there. Um, I follow uh, an amazing um, pornographer and activist called Pandora Blake, mm. uh, who's written quite extensively, along with a, a lawyer called Miles Jackman, about the proposals to bring in age verification for porn. Okay. So this means that you have to say how old you are if you wish to view yep. porn on the net. Um that, in theory, sounds like quite a good idea because no one wants kids to see something that's inappropriate or that's too, you know, that's too full on yeah. before before it's appropriate for their age. The issue is partly that the software required to for for, for porn porn sites to uh, install this age verification is very expensive. Sure. So now someone who looks like a her- hero has swept in and gone. Don't worry, guys, I will give you this software on a a graduated pay scale. Mm -hmm. So if you're a small indie queer porn site, for example, making ethical porn, you don't have a huge budget, you're you're trying to pay actors and and production companies and everyone fairly and you're not charging a huge amount for for what you're doing because it's niche or it's, you know, it's it's still getting a foothold in the market. We will charge you only a small amount for the Mm. age verification software. Sounds great, right? Sounds great, but what's until, the what's the t- sting in the tail? Until you know that the company who are selling that software are MindGeek, who own Pornhub, and ah. they are going to be collecting all the statistics on what people are watching and what's wor- what's working and what's not. They've even wormed their way into advising the government on this, to my knowledge. Wow! So it's it's become. Uh, this, Ethics putting... and business have really got tangled. Uh, plus, just on a more uh, straightforward level, there are concerns that about people's privacy. Should yeah. you, do you should you have to prove How who you are and yeah. what you're watching? The subject of pornography uh, is not simple. Uh, yeah, and I I, I want to go a little bit controversial with my opinions on this and and, and my opinions on the age verification thing in yeah. general. Um, I appreciate the reason for it and I appreciate why we say, you know, you have to be 18 years old to watch pornography. I, I, I really do appreciate that. 
But um, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of young people going to the internet to learn about sex. And yes, I agree that 99.9% of porn is not the best way to learn about sex. But it is a tool that I used growing up. And it was a tool that I used to kind of learn a lot about myself sexually. And I think, you know, not allowing somebody to access that at all until they reach the age of 18. They're already having sex by mm -hmm. that age. And they're you know, already legally allowed to. Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem... You can do it, seem... you just can't watch it. And now, you're, gonna, you're probably going to think I'm absolutely outrageous for saying this, but I think if we were to age verify it, I'm I, 12 you know i think young ah, that's that's that is a controversial opinion it is uh, now i hear from a lot of educators and a lot of parents and a lot of a lot of people who think that lots of young folks are negatively affected by porn yeah. and i agree that in some cases that's in true. lots of yeah. cases that's true um there's a really spectacular um audio documentary by john ronson called the butterfly effect mm -hmm. which tracks in great detail how um the proliferation of porn becoming free has meant that the only things that people will pay for or the only things that studios will pay for actors to make are more and more hardcore so you've got younger porn actors and actresses um doing really extreme acts on camera because that's what they can get paid for and yeah. then that is becoming the norm, uh, the norm. yeah it, it's 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 a very interesting domino effect um I, I and i think this proliferation of hardcore extreme porn without context on the net is almost undoubtedly damaging some people yeah. but I also agree with you that lots of people are looking at porn because they're not seeing realistic depictions of bodies or sex anywhere else. Anywhere else, if yeah, If you're absolutely. saying, we're not going to give you porn, you better be giving those young people Something some decent, else. real sex education that meets their needs. And that includes LGBTQ plus needs yeah. and uh, trans needs and gender non-binary needs and... Uh, and realistic depictions of genitalia. Mm -hmm. I speak to so many uh, young people and women, adult women and adult men who have no idea what, a, what, what genitals look like and the spectrum of difference that's yeah. completely and utterly normal yeah. and have worked themselves up so much about their bodies that it is endangering their well-being mm -hmm. to a really, really hugely detrimental degree yeah so i think it's all very well for people to preach about porn bring the good stuff then you know? yes <laughs> yeah absolutely and like i i i, I just wish Can't that you know you could, giving i wish you could land on um like a like a, a porn homepage and, and and just see a real diverse range of pornography and inclusive pornography yeah. you know that's that's showing all different types of people whether that's the way their genitals look or their ethnic background or their sexuality or their gender and all of these things should be included it should be there but i feel like when i land on a on the on the homepage of a porn site at the minute what i'm kind of seeing is one type of porn which tends to be just if it, gay porn obviously for me but like it would be white guys fucking white guys quite aggressively um in one position and that's kind of what you're seeing and you know sex is so much so more vast than that and yes there is amazing pornography out there and there's amazing independent people making really incredible inclusive pornography they are but up against it when it comes to yeah. being up against one another though yeah it's tough. absolutely it's, it's hard to make 
films with people that are hard in them yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to do something different yeah. well that was that that was a very serious discussion so i think we're gonna lighten things up a little bit here alex um, I, I just do have oh, one oh, thing oh, to say here about. she is here have, she is well it's interesting sex is often at the forefront of technology because um where there is sex there is money usually yeah um, and so, have, have you watched any virtual reality porn, any VR porn? I haven't. I'm I very have. intrigued. I have. I had an Oculus Rift headset on. Wow. Um, but because most of what's being produced in VR is trying to do what's saleable, which is that mainstream yeah. white person fucking a white person yeah. stuff, um, all that was available to me at the time was a point of view film of a white guy fucking white woman mm. but it meant that i got to pretend that i had a dick in oh, this film and i actually recommend fun. anyone who doesn't have a dick yeah try some vr porn you can get yourself a, a, a wonderfully unsexy google cardboard headset like you can yeah. make them yourself at home for about i think they're about two or three pounds and you, you, you put your smartphone in the front yeah. of them and there is some free I, I think you should pay for your porn and support the industry um, the, the positive parts of the industry anyway. Um, but there is there is free VR porn out there on places like Pornhub. Just experiment. Go and see what it's like to have sex uh, as in a body that's different to yours. Mm. It's really intriguing. I would, I would be really interested to kind of like, uh, as, as a person with a penis, I'd be quite interested to experience sex with a vagina, you know. Um, I would be really in- open to that and interested in that. So, yeah. I it's, think it's, it's only going to grow from here as well. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I've got a little treat for you, Alex. Um, oh, I, I like have, a treat. I have some clips here. Some of these are from porn. Um, you said clips, they're not cl- clips. Clits. Yeah. Got yeah. some clips for <laughs> you. Some clips. <laughs> yeah. um, some of these are from porn, and some of these are from, you know, those really sexy fragrance adverts. <laughs> you yeah. know the ones. Yeah. Um, and I want you to figure out which are which. Oh. Oh. Is it cologne or is it coming? It, Wonderful. Cologne or coming. Yeah. Right. Here's your first one. <laughs> oh, that was. Oh, that's very oh, it's fast. Very fast. Um, I really hope that that's a perfume ad because otherwise it sounds like some kind of porn involving um, hamsters. It's very high pitched. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Are we, is that definitely playing correctly? <laughs> oh, let's twiddle the knobs. Let's Callum. twiddle. I'll, I'll have a little twiddle with my knobs. No. Yeah, there we go. It's, no, that, that's playing correctly. It sounds like a panicked chipmunk. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a very. They've made it difficult this week for us. To be fair, I have heard people make some really freaking strange noises in the throes of passion. Mm. I'm gonna go with perfume. Are you? Are you gonna go? Yeah. I'm afraid oh, you're incorrect. Maybe I'm wearing really bad scents. Oh my god, what am I putting on myself? Um, oh. No, that was that was from porn. That was from a lovely um, video called "Fucked P- Point of View Fucked from Behind," moaning like possessed. So maybe that's the possession oh. we're hearing here. It's the ghost of a dead roadkill chipmunk. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like that was <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's another one. <laughs> definitely perfume. <laughs> <laughs> I love definitely perfume. That's the opposite of what I thought you were going to say. There's too much. Um, it's 
the, uh, uh, is too rhythmically involved with the music. It sounds like it's going to be part of a kind of high energy kinetic. It's like very well timed and, and breathiness and, and buy this and spritz it all over yourself. Kind of uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if that's porn, it's, it's worth, very yeah, well it's produced because you, do, you don't get very much porn, which has been kind of like big budget behind it. You know, where the music's timed with the moans, you don't get that. There very really often. should be a porn star called Big Big Budget. It's got a big budget, budget behind it. Entering oh my god! It. I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm sure yeah, there is actually. Big budget. Well, the you first are... one sounded like big budgie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are absolutely correct. That was from a Paco Rabanne advert. Here it Package is. One, Rabanne. One more time. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm also seeing a bit of like a, a Taylor Swift music video. Is what, yes. that's, 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 yeah, what, what that's I'm seeing what I in, got my in my mind. Head. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's your next one. <laughs> Hard to tell, isn't it? Again, I'm getting that music spooky. in the background. Yeah. Uh, uh. But they do have music in the background of porn. But it's usually that kind of. It's dun, the dun, I've come. Dun, to, dun, yeah, dun, yeah, I've come to fix your fridge. There's always a plumber. There's always a plumber. Or this. Uh, I mean, again, gay porn. Like, there's always like a boy who's just had his heart broken, and then the, the stepdad. The stepdad always comes so in. Always the stepdad. Porn, isn't there? So yeah. much incest porn. Um, um, I've seen a, lo- a lot of porn. Uh, <laughs> you know when you kind of fall into a porn hole, for want of a better phrase, yeah. where you click on something and then it, it, you have it another recommends suggest- something else. It never ends up being sexy for me. It ends up <laughs> being weird and work. The two, yeah. the, the, I start off wanting a wank and I end up with weird and work. Yeah. I either en- end up asking a question and then wanting to journalistically research that or I just go, that is the freaking strangest thing I've ever seen. I've watched a lot of porn with women in bathtubs of eels eels like, yeah a lot Putting, of a lot of this a porn. lot a lot yeah i used to um <laughs> <laughs> i used to get every every month when i was at bazaar um i used to get sent a double page article from a guy in japan who specialized in making porn with uh women and uh insects and amphibians so like wow. toads and snails and, and 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 eels i'm not even sure what but eels that, class but, I mean, does. I sea d- life <laughs> but that would be bestiality even though i guess yes yeah you know i guess we that, pulled we pulled the pages mm, in the end because it got increasingly uncomfortable things became a bit more sentient and i I did. I did once see a woman have sex with an octopus, and I felt I felt very upset for the octopus because she was putting the entire octopus inside her, and then it was kind of like crawling out of her. And I was like, this 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 doesn't seem like it's it's. Eth- I think if ethical. you're into that, there's some really good Japanese animations where yeah, go to no that. animals were knowingly harmed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go for the cartoon rather than the rather than the, the actual. actual octopod having a terrible time. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's um, play, play me that that clip again. Here you go. <laughs> Mm. Now I'm wondering if it could be porn. I'm just hearing ghosts is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm seeing a haunted castle. Yeah, seeing... I'm hearing Halloween as yeah. well. <laughs> could be a Halloween-themed porno, you know? Well, I'm crossing my fingers for porn because it sounds really interesting. But I'm going to go with perfume on the basis of the soundtrack. Absolutely correct. It is. It is from uh, Yves Saint Laurent fragrance advert um not sure what's happening maybe it was halloween themed um <laughs> not really sure all right your next one what am i doing 
Oh, surely porn. Surely porn. Because um, it, now it's going to be, oh, I'm just like uh, bending over this sofa and rearranging the cushions innocently. I thought this, I, I heard like, wait, let's, let's hear it again. What am I doing? I, I was hearing like one of those really bad, it's like where they do like a fake audition tape. Oh, oh, they're so awful. Much Casting that, couch yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, God, those couches have seen things. Oh, they have. They dream of their life back at DFS. <laughs> <laughs> they were innocent and unsmited. Yeah. <laughs> Unsullied by the terrors that took place. They're always uh, uh, like worryingly wiped clean pleather. Yeah, you don't, uh, you, yeah, you don't want that. What am I doing? What am I doing? She sounds. She has an accent. I'm. I, I'm also seeing like French maid kind of thing. Oh, what am I doing? Like she's got a little duster out. Also, listen to the echo on her in her voice. So many pawns are kind of shot in those those beach houses that look like they've been rented out for the day. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of soft furnishings and stuff in there. So there's that very particular echo, echo. of a wipe clean floor. You know, everything's tiled. Yes. So their voice has that effect. Oh my God, I know too much about porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does the have the, specific the porn acoustics echo. of porn. I think this let, has... let, Listen for the echo. What am I doing? Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely, definitely does. I'm just polishing does. this uh, very easy to clean surface. Oh, yeah. Oh, and here's the stepdad. Yeah. Oh, here's the pizza boy. Here's the. Have you seen that? <laughs> have you seen that series of porn? That is the the old fashioned trope of the the pizza guy ding donging on the doorbell and and then getting ravished by ladies. But this one is, I think it's called Big. Dick pizza or big penis big pizza or something. Pizza. Something, wow. something really straightforward like that. Yeah. You know, where it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> um, but they, they've got a hole in the bottom of the box. No. And when the girls open the pizza box, his just, dick is just kind just of there. Schlong right on top of the the, the, the pepper army. Yeah. They're just sitting there amid your deep pan, <laughs> stuffed crust on I a whole new level. I would. I, I reckon I would enjoy that. Just a little, a little. I worry. Wouldn't it burn? Oh yeah, hot hot cheese, hot, hot che tomato sauce, hot cheese on your on your gonads, oh, yowzers. You're yeah. right. Oh, not little yeah. little bits of um, olive <laughs> stuck under your foreskin. Oh, oh no, not no. pleasant. Not pleasant. No. So are we saying this is porn or not I porn? I think porn. I think porn. Absolutely correct. It is from She's Crafty and She's Just My Type. She's what Crafty. Am <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> I'm basket weaving. Come join me in the nude. <laughs> Bum me while I do this cross stitch. Bum me. I've not heard that in such a long time. <laughs> Neither Such have a I. visceral teenage <laughs> thing to say, isn't it? Bum me. Bum me. I didn't really ask many people to bum me as a teenager. No, me but, neither. Mm. Mm, not going to lie. <laughs> it was more like, just go and brush your teeth, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your final, final one. She's crafty. Ooh. Oh. Well, it's like the first one all over again, isn't it? It sounds like there could be the workings of a camera in mm. there. Does it sound like a camera mechanism whirring? Yeah, it could be. Which could be a lot me, of things. You know that that, that those perfume adverts where there's a model with like rushing through uh, the streets yeah, and yeah, the paparazzi, and paparazzi after going. Them and, yeah, yeah. And then um, someone from the press asks them an obscure question. They go, "I do not uh, want to answer that. <laughs> All I want to do is be alone and sweat myself. These wonderful fragrances. Yeah, um, yeah. I think so. I think it might be perfume." Oh, Alex, you were oh. doing so well. You were smashing through Oh, play them. it me again. It's, I need to hear the sex. It's from porn. Yeah, oh, I mean... Oh, it could be a lips. You weren't giving, mm. a, giving a lot. Mm. It was um, mm. 
captivating redhead <laughs> pleases hard cock. I mean, you weren't given a lot, to be fair, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a lot to work no. with. I I'm sure the redhead have been had able, more. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell the particular colour of the, the actor's <laughs> follicles from that, that clip. You know what? If I could tell the colour of someone's hair by their sex sounds, then I would be on stage with Darren Brown. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I th- you've got a few surprises for me, Alex, and I'm very, very excited to see them. Um, I brought props. But let's have a little bit of music first so this is sexy motherfucker well we were talking about um your shit shaped dildo <laughs> I really wondered where Earlier. you were going that <laughs> We were talking about your bowel movements, Alex. Um, and you've brought a couple of other surprises for me, I haven't have. you? I'm, now, I'm really excited about this. I'm a very, very lucky lady. I okay. get gifted um, lots of new uh, sexual toys and, mm. and products and lubes and goo and goodness knows what. Um, to be honest, sometimes I'm going to sound very spoilt here, but sometimes it almost feels like an obligation or an obligation, if you will. I get sent so many sex toys that I don't physically have the time and or strength of foof to get through them all in a week. Sure. Uh, but I've bought some um, I've bought some choice new items. OK, I'm now, very excited for this. I'm going to try and describe this uh, via radio. What I have here is it looks sort of like. Um, it looks a, like one of those uh, from the old days where you'd keep your, like a thermos. Yes, it looks you like a flask, right? Yeah. So it's, made, it's made of... Oh, um, good sounds, ASMR. Yeah, <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, does, it looks like a chunky sort of stubby flask, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it's a teal colour. If I open this up for you... Oh, what's in there? Oh, this is very exciting. Inside is... It looks like a giant... I, I reckon, kind of... I'm just undoing the bubble wrap. Sort of like... A giant teal coloured pill or something. Yeah, doesn't it? I'm looking rod. I'm looking at this object and I've no right. idea what it does or what it's for. But I'm I'm very oh, excited. Oh, we also have another item in here. Oh, oh, what on earth is a going piece on? Of orange string that kind of looks like um what would attach to your dad's strimmer for him to trim the hedges in the summer yeah. or whatnot. Um, Am I supposed to figure out how I'm supposed to use this? What I would like you to tell me, Callum, is yeah. what you think. This green rod this thermos type thing and this piece of orange string are used how for. Do you, how do you combine these this trio of items to produce something sexy? Oh, so so the the thermos type thing is also part of it. Yes, oh. it's not just a storage canister. It has a, it has a, a, a different usage. Yeah, I don't know. Like I feel like is the string for like do you put do you tie the string to the phallic object and then put the phallic object in and then like use the string to is it like um uh, like is a it weird like a DIY d- tampon? No, I was gonna say is it is it, is it like a, a a weird douche or something? That's not a bad guess. Do you see why I'm going with that? Yeah. Where rather than using liquid, you're using a solid object. Well, speaking of liquid, you're not too far off what you said when you referred to a thermos. What would you put inside a thermos? Coffee. You're putting coffee in there. Or hot liquid. Right. So what you do is you fill this this tin tub with hot water. You put this rod inside. It's called a dodil, like a mixed-up dildo, because okay. it's a dildo that you can mix up. You put it in the hot water. You pop the lid on. This is insanity. It softens up. No. And then you use the string 
to tie around it and uh, it helps it form into different shapes. So you use the string to give it ridges or to give it a corkscrew effect. Uh, And then you let it cool. Um, And you can reheat and repeat that as many times as you want. So it's a dildo that you can uh, use warmth to reform into whatever shape fits your body or your desires from time to time. That is actually incredible that is genius i I mean in a way we should we should maybe contact our porn girl who's particularly crafty because this is right (laughs) up her street you know it's 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 crafts and it's um and it's pleasing your your cuntaloons yeah um but i really like it what uh, one aspect of this that i particularly appeals to me is that it's quite playful yes it's something you could do with together your partner. like yeah, oh, it's let's, kind of fun yeah like know? let's make this into a fu- really fun shape that's going to be great pleasure for you and then let's let's go through and that let's process give it a go. It's, yeah. a, it's a whole it's bringing a whole new element a to a whole new world for your holes and i'm i'm really uh, into any kind of uh, sex toy or sexual product that makes sex a bit less serious a bit yeah. more funny because i think there's so many people who feel immense pressure that sex always has to be a very serious... And it doesn't. It doesn't. Sex is supposed to be... Performative affair. Well, it can be fun sometimes to be in that zone if you want to be. But there are other times where... Mix it up. Mix it up. Sex also can be hilarious. Um, I I don't know whether you've ever been the recipient of a a queef incident as a gay guy. (laughs) I haven't. I'm sure there are other things expelled from bodies that are comical, though, Callum. And um, sometimes you've just got to laugh. Also, laughing together can really help you relax and help you bond. Totally. So I, I think I think things like the dodil, is it called? The dodil, the yeah. Thing, the yeah. Do, I think it it's sounds just, like an extinct animal, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Mourn um, the dodil. I think I, I just think they're a great way to kind of bring bring new life into the bedroom. Um, that and sounds Alex, like you're trying to get someone pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that brings us to the end of our show. Well, we have spoken about people's ends quite a lot. We but, have spoken about a lot of different ends. It does feel like just ends. the beginning. <laughs> like there's so much more we could explore. <laughs> um, if people want to find you and get involved with all of the wonderful sexual amazing things you do please track me down uh i am easily horribly easy to find on the internet um i'm alex with one i a-l-i-x uh like cyclops when i like cyclops uh, and then fox like the animal so alex fox uh, on twitter i'm on instagram i'm not one of those very glossy social media people i just kind of i love you you're my favorite person on twitter honestly oh cheers uh, yeah. I, I like a good pun yeah a, you do you do i, I enjoy I, it i laugh a lot every day <laughs> i actually make Make it my make it my point of life to try and laugh my head off at least five, like a proper belly, belly laugh, laugh at yeah. least five times a day. And a lot of that is I broadcast. If something makes me giggle, then I'll put it on Twitter. So. And it makes me giggle as well. And I'm sure it will make our lovely listeners giggle as well. So everybody should definitely go and Come follow you. Come and find me. If you've got any uh, sexual questions that you want to ask me, then uh, I, I can't do one-on-one stuff, but I do uh, invite people to uh, submit their queries to the Modern Man podcast. And Amazing. I can often answer them there. Um, I'm I, I, often I'm looking for people to test sex toys or to get involved with de- debates or there's lots of opportunities to uh, to get hands on with me. If you uh-huh, will. So come track me down. <laughs> say hello. Amazing. Well, um, I'm going to end this little show with a bit of everything, everything. My favorite band. I, <laughs> I, I love them more than everyone, everyone. Well, this is just for you, Alex. Cheers, dears. This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to foobarradio.com.